Technology and the Sea. Fascination Marine Technology. A podcast by Bärbel Fiening in cooperation with the German Association for Marine Technology, GMT. Hi, and welcome to this podcast episode. In this podcast, we take you to the sea and even to the seabed. You learn about the harsh working conditions in the ocean and about technology that can withstand wind and waves, salinity and extreme pressures underwater. Marine technology is important so we can finally learn more about our oceans. Even in 2022, the ocean floor is largely unknown, so are the sea creatures. We know only a fraction. And yet the ocean makes up 70% of our planet, has great significance for our future, not only in terms of climate change. Marine technology is such a big field. In this podcast, we want to look at the individual areas one by one. But today, we'll first get an overview. I'm talking to Walter Kühnlein, chairman of the board of the German Association for Marine Technology, and to his deputy, Sören Elas. People love the sea. They love to look after ships, but few people know what marine technology is all about, Walter, where marine technology is used. Actually, marine technology, that's uh, everything which has to do with the ocean. And in almost all other countries than Germany, uh, shipbuilding is part of marine technology, actually. This is just in Germany we make uh, this difference that we talk about shipbuilding and marine technology. And that's why GMT is... Uh, working on that to make it more popular that all the people in Germany are getting a better understanding how fascinating this marine technology is really. Sören, what makes marine technology so special? And a lot of things in marine technology simply happen below the surface in environments that are unlike any other environment that you will find on our planet, essentially, or even if you leave it and you would go to space, because we deal with very high pressures, very specific, eventually very corrosive or aggressive environments. And we develop technologies to enable certain activities in these areas. Marine technology is very fascinating and it's also very important, Walter. In which areas is it used? Actually, in any kind of uh, work, the oceans are giving us resources like um, minerals, uh, oil and gas, then of course uh, renewable energies like uh, offshore wind and uh, wave uh, energy, and it's also used uh, for transportation, and it's also used uh, for uh, storing uh, CO2. As an example, the ocean is uh, the biggest uh, CO2 storage uh, in the world. And a large part that marine technology deals with is essentially the development and deployment of sensors. Because in many environments, you, you cannot trust on visibility, for example. So you need other means to identify what is happening around you and then feed that information back into the systems that are actually running your operation that you are interested in. And that's a significant part to make them work reliably under these conditions that we are in. So the sea is a source of food, raw materials and energy. But I think it's the first step. We need to learn more about the oceans. Or do we know the oceans as well as we know space? 
Not at all. The largest part we do not know. And that's the very interesting part here, that um, there is so much to be learned when it, for example, comes to impact. Um, whatever we do in the oceans or on land will have an impact on the oceans. And most of the time, it's unfortunately not a very positive impact that we may um, cause to these systems. And that's something that we need to monitor and understand what is actually happening there. What kind of energy constants do we have? Could we access them? Could we make use of them and harvest this? Whatever source the energy may be in, and that could be one very interesting part to look into. We know much more about the backside of the moon than we know about the ocean. And of course, it's very, very important to get a fundamental understanding of the ocean, because only if you understand what's going on, you can protect the ocean. So the first step is collecting data? Yes, the first step is, of course, uh, collecting data and then analyzing data and also maybe analyzing already uh, collected data because that's also something that a lot of uh, data are already available and we have now much better technologies in order to analyze them to get a better understanding. And that we also have to understand what this data means. For example, if you are um, on the seafloor in very large depths and you basically create some impact there, then there will be a lot of sediment that will come up into the sea. And it takes a very long time before this will settle back down. Or if we change the temperature, I mean, it's, it's a large storage basin, basically our oceans for, for, the, for the heat or um, energies that we have. And it takes a very long time before they change. And that's obviously more into environmental science. So that is just something that we can, with marine technologies, enable to make work more efficiently and better and uh, to understand these oceans and how they operate and how they respond to whatever we do. But these very long times that um, you usually have as a response time from these systems is very critical in order to make the right decisions in the future. So it's about exploring the oceans, but also protecting the oceans, for example, in terms of plastic waste and munitions. Is this also an area where marine technology is used? For sure, yes. On the one hand side, The technologies, for example, to clean the oceans from ammunition or from microplastic would be partially available. I mean, in GMT, we have specialized companies that have technologies more or less shelf ready that could be used for these parts. Not one company alone who can deal with it all, but as a network, a lot of these uh, things are already available. We just need to make sure that they are really deployed. And that's one thing that we, we try to do within GMT to make everyone aware that the capabilities in parts exist. There is further development needs that need to take place, but a lot of things could be done and put more forward if we all agree to take these actions and not wait for something else to happen or other countries uh, to decide that, okay, now we develop something and show some demonstrators and then it may be already too late, especially when it comes to the ammunitions. Munition clearing is an important uh, topic and as Sean said, there's a lot of technology already in place, but there's no real business case. So the business case would be that all the governments of the earth have to decide, yes, we want to get rid of that we have to do that because uh, the big problem with the munition is if we don't do anything, that will come to us. It will not stay there in the ocean because it's uh, heavily corroded and a lot of uh, things will be released uh, to the environment. So therefore, we need to do something. Before we go into more detail about what GMT does and what GMT is, 
Let's talk briefly about marine tech in general. What status does marine technology have in the economy? How many people work in this field in Germany? Yeah, like in Germany, they are working roughly around 180,000, 200,000 people there. That means the turnover of marine technology in Germany is in the same range like of the aerospace industry. But worldwide, of course, it's much more. We're talking about several billions every day, which is the turnover worldwide. And a lot of the companies also are not necessarily located just by the sea. So GMT has members that are um, spread all over Germany because the technology can be developed essentially everywhere. And many of them are existing for decades already and um, really are well proven in this business uh, that they can provide certain key aspects. So let's talk about the GMT, the German Association for Marine Technology. What kind of network is it? Uh, the GMT is a, a network where we have uh, members which are normally are companies or institutions and uh, we are working together because uh, science and uh, industry has to work together and our one of our main goals is actually to inform the, the politicians in order to give them a good base and a good uh, fundament for making decisions uh, which are concerning the ocean field. And obviously the majority of the companies have one of their key goals to make a profit at the end because they have to live from something. Um, and that's again in line with what Walter said. We try to support the decisions that are made by politicians, but in that sense also enable that certain funding schemes will become available to support these companies to develop their technologies further and to do that for the benefit of our entire society. Like when they do something to clean the oceans from ammunition or from other parts. In which areas do the members of the GMT work? In which areas of marine technology? They work in almost uh, any field of marine technology, starting with uh, sensors, where we have uh, marine uh, ocean sensors uh, a lot, and then up to developing uh, units uh, for uh, cleaning the ocean and, and uh, up to developing pipelines. So that means it's really almost uh, all topics are used by our members. As an example, we have a, a company who is uh, developing uh, subsea uh, plugs, which means you can then connect a cable with, uh, pl with plugs uh, underneath the water. We having uh, members who are developing uh, pumps who can pump a mixture of water, oil and gas and so on and so on. They're actually quite a, a few uh, hidden champions, world market leaders, really? which almost nobody knows. Yes, actually. And, and that is actually also something that even our government sometimes and our politicians don't really know that we have this, uh, this champions also in, in Germany. Yeah? And in addition to these champions, we do have research institutions or universities that develop the underlying methodologies and technologies in a sense of yeah, special calculation procedures or other parts that could be used um, for the sensors or for any other part that is used. Or maybe they help to upfront um, simulate how certain procedures would look like uh, to actually make sure that everything that is done is also reliable and safe and possibly tested by software simulation in front. So there's a close link between those um, uh, different 
entities to kind of support each other and to try to make the most of it at the end. So how do you work within the GMT? We are normally working uh, within a working groups. So we have uh, different working groups. As an example, we have a very, very active uh, working group offshore wind. We also have a very, very active uh, working group uh, polar technology. And a nice part about these working groups is that we are essentially like a big family meeting there. So it's a rather open environment to exchange ideas and discuss. Everyone knows um, what could be the benefit from talking to the other person. And of course, there are issues um, that you have to protect um, certain properties and knowledge and you cannot spread everything, If obviously, if you are um, part of a big company. But it's a very fruitful environment that is very constructive. And um, sometimes it leads to joint projects. Sometimes it uh, leads to other ideas that uh, will be developed further into possibly political decisions or alike. Um, but it's a, it's a very interesting and dynamic environment to um, to take part in and of course additionally we have uh, working groups uh, like uh, marine security and also uh, marine systems uh, that are also very very good working groups which are really um, are very very efficient and uh, where we have a lot of members working there and as Søren said before i think the The big advantage of our working groups is actually that even if some companies or institutions which are working there are competitors, but they are working to a certain amount, they are working together. So it's really like a big family where we are sharing our success and even more important, where we also share our failures. Because I think you can learn much more from making failure than having a success. It's a network of competence and a network that politicians also listen to. Yes, it's uh, that's actually one of our intention that we are going to the politics, that we're having uh, parliamentary evenings in order to introduce that, that we have, we have meetings with uh, politicians in order to introduce all these uh, issues to them, that they get a, a better understanding of all the marine-related uh, issues, that they can make uh, good decisions on these subjects. And in this way, GMT is so well established um, as a knowledge base that the politicians are also contacting us if they have some requests or um, general questions on how to deal with certain matters. So the reputation in that sense of GMT and its members in turn is also very good. Walter, you focus on offshore tech. Have you always been fascinated by the sea? Yes, actually, it was actually more an incident that I came to offshore engineering because I was uh, originally uh, studying civil engineering in, at the University of Berlin. And then I was uh, asked by Professor Klaus, who was teaching at that time ocean engineering, if I want to work for him. And after I started to work with, with him, I realized uh, how fascinating ocean engineering is. After that time, which is now 35 years ago, I'm, I'm still fascinated because There are so many different aspects all over, so you can really uh, work in anything. I always tell my students or to, to, to young people, if you love math, that's exactly where you want to should go. If you hate math, it's also exactly what you should do because uh, ocean engineering and marine technology, it's not only calculating things, it's also working there, installing platforms, etc., etc. So we really need any kind of... Uh, Uh, knowledge which uh, people can have. Søren, you told me um, you love the sea, but you don't like to get wet. How did you end up in this area? 
Yeah, that's why I decided to learn how to build ships. So I can safely <laughs> be on the water and I'm protected from the elements. Um, and that uh, that turned out to be quite nice. And I knew that from very early age that um, I, I want to get into marine technology and naval architecture um, and in a way ended up uh, then with more specialization in a more mechanical uh, and technical approaches there to deal with in general structural response under extreme conditions and marine technology is the perfect extreme condition to um, apply everything that I like to work with um, on a daily basis. Marine technology is so exciting and has so many facets, but most people know little or nothing about it. How can we get people excited about marine technology? I think we just need to mention and show them how fascinating this uh, topic can be. When I show videos about, uh, the, as an example, about the pioneering spirit where a lot of German technology is installed, that means it's fascinating if you see a vessel which is able to lift at top sites, which has 40,000 tons. So we're talking about something like 30,000 cars lifting at, at once. And, and that is, I think, so fascinating. And there's no other topic where we have uh, this uh, wide field uh, of uh, different uh, technologies which we are applying than ocean engineering or marine technology. And it's simply, if you decide to go into this discipline, you can really help to make a change in a sense of um, making our environment maybe a little bit greener and a little bit more sustainable. And while all these parts may be quite noble um, ideas on why to make a certain decision, the other part, which I think is also very important, is that if you decide to go into this direction, you will be for sure be employed for the rest of your life. Because the demand of uh, capable people to deal with green technology has been so strong and is ever given so that I don't know a single graduate that would not find a job right away. Um, and that we had in the past decades, and I'm very sure that we will also have this in the future decades to come. So it's a very secure job choice, and it still gives you the ability to, to make a change. But isn't the sustainable use of the oceans and marine technology... A contradiction in terms? It's exactly the opposite. I would say it goes hand in hand because uh, the, the big motto of the GMT is really if we cannot do it safe and sustainable, we will not do it at all. And I think that's very, very important that you, you need to do research, you need to do and make developments in order that you can demonstrate, you can do that in a safe way. And We cannot work with the ocean if we don't protect the ocean, because then there will be no real ocean anymore for us. And I think that's very, very important. And all the people who are working in marine technology, they have this understanding. And now it's quite clear that at some point in time, a lot of the resources on land, they, they, they will basically be gone. So if we make this transition further and further into the sea, We, as the members of GMT, they hold the technology to make sure that this is reliable and safe. So in that sense, I would say it's not a conflict um, at all that it is sustainable. And in parts, and together with um, the German politicians, often the role of Germany may be that we want to be the technology providers for making certain things safe. 
and monitor them and um, have a little bit the watching eye on how other parts in the world are maybe considering to harvest resources from the sea. And if we can have an impact here to make sure that it's done right, then we have won a lot. So what is the biggest challenge for marine tech? So the biggest challenge for marine tech is actually the environment, that we are going in a very, very harsh environment. As an example, when we talk about the North Sea, which is very, very close to our coast, but uh, all the waves which we have to deal with, or the design wave for all the installations over there are something like 35 meters. So we're talking about a wave which is 35 meter high and I think everything which we built has to be stronger there and I think that's one of the biggest challenge and we have this high pressure as we already mentioned that means if we talk about space lab we have a pressure of minus one bar if we go in 10,000 meter deep we have a pressure of thousand bar that means a ton of every square centimeter so that means a, a ton on a fingernail that's the force which we have to deal with the very large fascination for me is that we have this constantly changing conditions that we have to deal with, with a high uncertainty related to them. Whether it be waves, you can stand by the sea and you can see that they are regular, they look perfectly nice and neat. But then suddenly you will get this extreme wave to hit and that will exert extreme loads on a structure. And that's something um, we have to account for and deal with. So in the majority of cases, the environment may be quite okay. But the changing conditions, that makes it additionally challenging and very interesting. And many of the companies that are going to present further on in the podcast will introduce how they deal with these environments and how they can cope with those changing and uncertain conditions. Thank you, Sören. Thank you, Walter. That was today's podcast episode. I talked to Walter Kühnlein, chairman of the board of the German Association for Marine Technology and his deputy, Sören Ehlers. If you liked it, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss an episode and I can regularly take you with me into the roaring waves so we can dive down to the ocean floor together and learn about fascinating marine technology. Technology and the Sea Fascination Marine Technology. A podcast by Bärbel Feening in cooperation with the German Association for Marine Technology, GMT. Musik